3: Talk is about
1: to begin. Hey, 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 come on in!
0: Welcome back to our Friday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. We're live in the Zoom room and we're making picks: Ohio State, Penn State on Saturday night in State College. We're going to tell you what we think. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We have a survey from our tech subscribers on what they think. We're gonna run through our Big Ten picks, where Nathan Baird went three and zero last week, and then we're gonna get our tech subscribers, some of them here in the Zoom, to give us like how they're vibing on this game. But we want to—I think this is the reverse of actual podcasting etiquette. I'm gonna give you the good stuff right at the top. We, uh, you know, I guess we could wait 45 minutes and then say what our picks are. I think you're probably interested in what our picks are, so. The line, as we know it at the moment, I think is 12, but we're going to bring in the uh, unofficial, official, it's not unofficial, he's official, the official bookmaker of Buckeye Talk. It's our friend Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler Shoemaker, before Nathan and Steve and I make these picks, is 12 the right line? Are, we, are people thinking about
2: this the right way or how do you think about this game? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I, what I made. The game was 12. I actually, um, you know, I saw the Circa line came out at, uh, I think, eight or eight and a half, and that, you know, that was gone in no time. I actually, I bet it myself at, at 10 and a half, uh, so I, I got a little bit of value there, but yeah, I think, I think 12 is probably the right, the right number.
0: So, Stephen, does that sound right to you? Before we get into our picks, the idea that it's 12 – Right, and and we have our own personal opinions, but that that's where the public is on this, and that's where the bookmakers are on this. Does twelve seem right?
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, Penn State's missing some valuable guys. You know, Ohio State has a whole team. Knock on wood, they make it to Saturday. But yeah, I mean, everybody saw what Ohio State's offense could do on Saturday, on Saturday even if the defense isn't necessarily what it was in twenty nineteen. So that mixed with the guys Penn State is missing this season, yeah, that sounds about right.
0: I will tell you, I have a story up from 2018 when Ohio state was number four, Penn state was number nine before the last time they played in Beaver stadium. And it was three and a half. And that game ended up being a one point game. So, so 12 is for this matchup that's been close, That's been historically close. I don't know, Nathan, like should the history factor into this at all? And you were saying when we talked earlier today, we have not done a ton with the whole whiteout lack of whiteout thing. How much do you think that should play or does play into a line like this?
3: I think those negate each other a little bit here because I think the whiteout is part of the history of this series and is part of why Penn State is such an intimidating environment usually even for a team as talented and as accomplished as Ohio State and why Penn State's been able to push them the way they have in those games. And not having that this season I think is a factor. Tyler might have some opinion. I think he was even talking last week that he thought, you know, home field advantage is a little bit overrated. But – I think Penn state might be one of the places where that isn't the case on, especially in the whiteout situations in this rivalry. And in, in this year when you don't have a home field, a home crowd at all, I just feel like that's one, that's one thing that Penn state usually has in its back pocket that it won't have on Saturday.
0: I want to get Tyler's opinion on, on how he does think the, the lack of home field in this specific situation. I think, I think this is, the best home field in the Big Ten, the most impactful home field advantage in the Big Ten. But I also do wanna share with our podcast listeners that here in the chat, just as we're doing this podcast and we can see what tech subscribers are texting, I just noticed that someone texted, endless soup and breadsticks though. And I just, again, I so appreciate the vibe and the people who, I, we're just having a random chain restaurant discussion in the middle of a, a hugely important game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Tyler, how do you factor, if this was a normal game with the whiteout, would the line be less than 12?
2: Yeah, I, I think in in a normal year, uh, you know, most places you would give a two and a half or three point advantage for for home field. I think Penn State's one of the few where you could go three and a half, maybe four. Uh, that's why, you know, when, when Urban made his seven to 10 point comment, I, I kind of laughed just because, you know, I'm sure he, he feels that way. And I think Nathan uh, touched on that on the pod, but. Um, it's certainly not worth that. And actually, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but actually I'm pretty sure Penn State has a losing record in whiteout games, you know, despite it being so intimidating looking and, and that sort of thing. I think they actually – their record is no better, certainly, and, I, and I'm pretty sure they have a losing record in whiteout games.
0: And it's interesting because, I mean, no offense, you don't white out Rutgers. You know, you're not whiting out Maryland. You white it out when you're playing somebody good. So I think that does make sense to some degree. It's like if they were, if they were just like, hey, let's try to have the best whiteout record we could have, it's like Rutgers would be like, Are you serious? We're whiting, we're getting whited out again. But I do think it raises their level. I don't, I don't, I think it makes Penn State a little better, and I think logistically it makes Ohio State a little bit worse. I don't think it intimidates Ohio State, but anyway, it's not gonna matter. Unless, you know, I don't know. Nathan and Stephen, you guys are both going to the game. You guys wearing white? You're not wearing weight, are you? What do You you have your dress shirts picked out for the game on Saturday night? What are you wearing?
1: I haven't packed a single thing yet, and it's 7 yeah, o'clock. No, it's... So.
0: You guys don't pick out your outfits like days ahead of time? I love going in my closet and picking out outfits. Does everybody really, do that? I, yeah, sorry, I have um, work to do this
3: week. School,
1: yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know if adults still do that stuff.
0: Do you know how many times I haven't written a story because I've just become <laughs> lost in my closet picking out which yes. T-shirt? over which long sleeve t-shirt I'm going to wear on a random day. All right, here we go. Let's make our picks. We're going to give the cow away right now, whatever that phrase is. There are cows in State College. Just, I mean, so you guys know. And I think, I don't know, maybe you don't care. That's, I grew up going to Penn State games because I'm from Pennsylvania and I, I grew up two hours away from Penn State. And so they were the college football team in the state that I grew up in. So we would go to maybe one or two Penn State games a year and we would sit in a field and eat subs and it was like it was tailgating and you just you were in this giant grass field in the middle of nowhere and it was great it's a great place to eat a sub so I'll be thinking about that when I'm not going to the game on Saturday uh Stephen what's your pick in this minus 12 game between the Buckeyes and Nittany Lions
1: oh so country um 49 to 21 Ohio State wins I got said in the prediction video I think it's going to be close early one, because Penn State is at home and it's, it's just a better opponent than what Nebraska was and maybe Ohio State gives up some big plays in the first half, but eventually that talent's going to take over like it does all usually does for Ohio State in the second half and that's when they start to pull away.
0: But it doesn't – how big of a gap – and I know you're working on this story, Stephen, and mm-hmm. we know that Journey Brown is out and we know that Micah Parsons is out. How big is the talent gap? It's certainly not as big as we sort of know, doing the same stories every year it's like well Ohio State has a talent gap over everybody it's just not quite as big when it's Penn State Michigan how would you describe how big the talent gap is here
1: it's it's big enough that it's noticeable but it's not you're, you're right it's not what it does get, is against Nebraska it's not what's going to be against Rutgers Penn State obviously does still have a five-star linebacker on the field even without Micah Parsons but it's noticeable enough that it shouldn't matter if a team wants to start pulling away because if you want to just blame talent as why a team pulled away late in the game.
0: All right. So you have our, and and we were, I think last year when we made our, when we made our picks, we said like, what's the confidence level of this? Like how confident are you in this? Do you really feel like Ohio state's going to cover pretty handily?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty confident. I, I don't see the type of game it was in 2017 and 2018, where it's just close. Even regardless of the comeback situation, where it's just close. I think for to answer the talent question, Ohio State has an average star rating of 92.89, while Penn State is 90.15, and the point differential is not 976.48 points to 850.70 points. So it's a pretty noticeable talent difference. I'm pretty comfortable that. Just like everybody else on the on Ohio State's, State's Big Ten schedule this year, they might be able to get a couple stops in the first half and they might be able to put up some points, but can they score the way Ohio State is going to be able to score this year? And there's nobody in the Big Ten who can do that. The only teams who honestly can do that right now, from what I've seen, who are college, college football playoff worthy are Clemson and Alabama.
0: It is possibly going to be a very successfully boring season for Ohio State, at least in terms of <laughs> analyzing it. Because it's possible that the analysis every game is, well, Justin Fields is really good. I don't know how they're going to stop him. And I don't know how much anything else matters. I Like that's – it is hard to get past that. It's like, well, do they have a – is their quarterback as good as Justin Fields? No. Do they have a defense who can stop Justin Fields as a runner and a thrower? I mean, no, not stop him. Can they handle Ohio State's two best receivers? Well, no, not really. And it's like your analysis comes to a screeching halt. And, you know, we get paid to analyze a little more than that. So we're not turning the podcast off after 13 minutes. But Nathan, like that, there's a part of me that he is so good. He is so efficient yet dynamic. He, he doesn't look to run, but he's able to run. He wants to keep his eyes downfield, but if it's there, he'll take it. He's fast and he's strong and he's, he has a good arm and he's also accurate. I'm not trying, you know, it's all the stuff that we all see, but I think, I just think that I don't know that anybody's going to actually stop him. And that just might be the story of this season until we get to the playoff. But Steven confident given the 12, what do you think, Nathan?
3: Yeah, I'm giving the 12-2. I picked 37 to 22. That's a kind of score, though, that I if if it's were still a one-score game. In the fourth quarter and Ohio State scored another one to pull away, I guess I wouldn't shock me necessarily. But I still, I don't know, I, I, I kind of agree with Steven just as far as the, the talent differential with these teams. Once you start taking out some pivotal guys too, once you start taking Micah Parsons out, once you start taking Journey Brown out, there's only so many of those guys you can take out when there's already a differential where I think Penn State can still do this for four quarters and, and push Ohio State, especially when you start taking out things like the home field advantage um and and I, I agree with what you're saying about Justin Fields you know I, I think what's interesting is you talked and we, we talked a lot in the offseason it was kind of one of your topics that you threw out there about how last year was kind of the foundational year for him and then this year was where you kind of take the lid off and you see what you've got with Justin Fields and it just kind of erupts and I think we you know last week was a good week I don't think we saw that yet though I don't think we saw we still haven't seen just eruptive um, taken over a game for 60 minutes, kind of Justin Fields. And this might be the kind of week where something like that happens.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. I think there's a 300-yard passing, 100-yard rushing game in Justin Fields in one of these games. I don't know. Maybe it's the Penn State game because it's the biggest game on the schedule to this point. But there's one of those in him. I can – just watching him last week, I can see it.
0: So the thing that I think does factor into this some is – when you watch the opposing team, do you find guys on the other team that you think could play for Ohio state, which is a simplistic way to go about it, but I'm a simplistic person. And I think when I I did rewatch last night on Wednesday night, I rewatched the whole Penn state, Indiana game. And then I rewatched the whole, well, not the whole Ohio state game. I watched mostly the Ohio state defense. I watched Ohio state, Nebraska after it. And I thought, Penn State on defense had multiple guys that could play for Ohio State, starting with the defensive ends, as Doug DeLillo just pointed out in the chat. Shaka Tony and Jason Awe, I thought, got after it. And I thought they were more productive and dangerous looking than any Ohio State defensive ends in the Nebraska game. So that seemed real to me. I thought they had a couple guys in the secondary who could play at Ohio State. And this Joey Porter Jr. guy, who is Joey Porter's son, he's 6'3", in the secondary. He's going to cover somebody from Ohio State on different snaps and I think move around and maybe do some different things. He's young. He feels like a player. I know the Penn State reporters I talk to really like him as a player. I just think they do have a couple playmakers on on defense. And then when I watch the Ohio State defense... Sean Wade's a playmaker, but he's a corner. So he's a playmaker in situations. And then I did think on the rewatch, we have sort of talked about the linebackers at times this week. I did think on watching it again, that Pete Werner was in on a lot of stuff. I did think Pete Werner was tracking stuff down and, and you sort of see like, okay, well, this is why they put Pete Werner at will. Cause here he is shedding a block and knifing into the backfield on a wide run and blowing something up. And here he is. He did run sideline to sideline a little bit. I thought Pete Werner actually did make some plays, but I also at times was looking for more guys to make plays on the defense. So not stop, Justin Fields, not stop, not stop, but slow down, have a drive here or there. And then like, if you get on one of those drives, I just, what if you have a drive where you throw it on first down and the guy drops it. Now you try to run it on second down because you don't want it to be third and long. So you run it and you only get three. Now it's third and seven and you get a little pressure right? The defensive ends get a little pressure and Justin gets flushed and he has to throw on the move and he barely misses a guy. Like, I just think, I don't think they're going to march down the field every single time they have the ball. Uh, The Buckeyes will. And I do think Sean Clifford. Stunk. He just threw it to Indiana. He had two picks last week. He just threw it to them like inexplicable stuff. And then they also fumbled, With the backup quarterback and a Wildcat in the red zone, it was at least would have been a field goal. They fumble, but then Indiana like fumbles it back a play later, and then they get a field goal try at the end of the half, and they bong it off the upright. So Penn State missed two field goals last week. Clifford had two awful turnovers. And if Clifford plays like that, there's nothing worth talking about. If Clifford is awful, then this is 50 points. But if you think Sean Clifford shook shook out some of the rust – last week, and Walt we'll not throw it to Ohio State for no reason. I thought Penn State had some running backs, even their backup guys. They're on their third string running back. I thought they could do a little something. I think their offensive line's okay. I think their defensive ends are really good. They have a couple players at linebacker. The tight end is excellent. They got at least one receiver. Clifford made one great throw to get him back in the game, stepped up in the pocket 45 yards down the field to a guy. I think it's close, and I feel confident with Penn State plus 12. I'm taking Penn state plus 12 and my pick is 34 28. And I think it's a game and that Justin Fields like dominates and they'll just be drives where it's like, how do they get stopped on that drive? Oh, it's like, you know, somebody, a, a pass that was there hit off somebody's hands and the running backs didn't look great. Or, you know, I, I also think they might sack him more than a few times. The, the defensive ends get some pressure. He tries to make a big play. He gets ankle tackled. It's a loss of nine. Now it's second and 19. And a drive is blown up. I just think that's out there, and I think Penn State will play its best. And when you, if you watch that whole game last week, they played okay. They just didn't score. It's like when you go golfing and you feel like you hit the ball pretty well and you shoot one forty six, which happens to me all the time. I'm like, I stroked it today, but I still got a bunch of elevens. That was Penn State's game last week, and so. You watch that game it's weird. I actually think Penn State's still pretty good. They've got some players and I think it's a game. I think it's a game into the fourth quarter. And I think it's not impossible that Ohio State loses. I don't think I'm not picking them to lose. And as I could talk for 9 minutes straight, my good friend Dave Jones, who covers Penn State and has covered Penn State for Pennlive.com for like 30 years, he always calls me the week of games, and he wants to know what's going on, and he picked Penn State. We talked it out. We talked about both teams this week, and he was thinking about picking Penn State. He wasn't sure, uh, and after we talked, he said, yeah, he's sticking with his Penn State pick, and he picked Indiana to beat Penn State last week, and he's not a homer. So I'm just telling you, that's where I am. That was a lot of me talking. Steven, do I sound like a crazy person, at least crazier than usual?
1: No. I think you would have a – for the sake of what the whiteout can bring to the table, it's not a seven to ten point difference, I don't think, but for the sake of what it can bring to the table and how if you fall behind with that whiteout and the crowd gets into it, it can make things difficult for you, I think you would have a better point. But without that crowd, without that huge advantage for Penn State, I just don't see it. I think it just becomes no different than a scrimmage – inside of a practice facility at this point with a few extra people watching it. And so there's no real advantage for Penn state anymore.
0: What about talent? What about talent though? You don't think they have enough players to do it. Right?
1: I I think they have enough players to keep up for a half. Okay. That's it. Nathan, do I sound crazy?
3: No, I mean, I really, what we're predicting is not that different. I mean, it's basically like one, mm-hmm. one more score for Penn state that you're, you're giving them. And um, I just think that this is a week where Ohio state's defense Um, makes the adjustments off last week. And maybe as importantly, Ohio State's offense makes the adjustments off of last week. Um, And maybe that offensive line asserts itself a little bit more, just controls the game a little bit more than it did early against Nebraska. So I
0: asked the texters, what will be the outcome of the Ohio State Penn State game? The options were Ohio State wins by 13 or more. So Ohio State covers Ohio State wins by one to 12. So you pick Penn State or do you actually pick Penn State to win? And I will say 1% of the tech subscribers picked Penn state to actually win. And one of those people texted and said, I just did it to avoid a jinx. And they were wondering how many other anti-jinx people were out there. There's not many of them. 1% of the people are trying to avoid the jinx. Nathan, if you had to guess how many people are saying Ohio state by 13 or more, what percent? Uh, uh, 58. Steven, what percent 13 or more? 62. 70. 70%, 13 or more, 29% 1 to 12, 1% pick in Penn State. There is a second question that I asked, however, that really gets to the heart of this, I think. And this is what I want to get some tech subscribers who are in the Zoom with us to talk about. I phrased the question this way Regardless of your pick, are you actually worried that Ohio State could lose to Penn State? And we will reveal that later in the podcast. But first, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with some picks from around the Big Ten. You're listening to our Picks Pod preview, Picks Pod, on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, we're going to make our other Big Ten picks. So we make, we pick two other Big Ten games each week. And Nathan Baird, the beardless, hot chip eating, uh, shirtless during as, asking Ryan Day a question while shirtless, whatever we decide. Nathan Baird, you did go three and zero in your picks last week. Would you like to take a victory lap?
3: Uh, no, I mean obviously the, the 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 one that mattered got away from me. Um, so uh, <laughs> I, I'll take my three and zero, but I, that, that's something to be celebrated at the end of the season, not this week.
0: So Nathan won with Purdue, and he won with Michigan versus Minnesota. Stephen and I, and, and then one on Penn, uh, one on Ohio State. Stephen and I both won on Ohio State. Stephen won on um, Indiana. Actually picked not only Indiana with the points, but you said Indiana would win. And that was very, very correct. So very well done there. I won with Northwestern, uh, blowing out Maryland. And then Stephen and I both were wrong on Minnesota against Michigan. So Nathan won the head-to-head there. But I want to run through some of the other Big Ten games this week. Of course, we know there is not a Nebraska-Wisconsin game this week. And I saw – Uh, You know, Nebraska was trying to play uh, Chattanooga, and, and that didn't work out. And so Nebraska said, why aren't we allowed to play a game? We're Nebraska. And so the Big Ten said, sorry, you can't get to play that because we're a conference and we're doing this together. And sometimes, Nebraska, you're not allowed to just go off and do whatever you want to do. And if you would like to do that, maybe you should just leave. And Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports. I saw a headline on a column. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, this is enough. D- does anything feel like this, Detour? Is anyone feeling like, hey, this might be the end of Big Ten Nebraska, that, like, nobody's happy with this? Nathan, is this like we're getting – is it time to, for a divorce here?
3: I don't know if it's time for divorce, but it's time for some marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's clearly a problem here. There's clearly an uncomfortable relationship. Um, and it's, it's always been, I think a little bit off partially because Nebraska has not lived up to its end of the bargain here recent years on why it's in the big 10 in the first place, um, in, in a lot of ways from, from football competitive standpoint. And I think that that is, it's one of those like underlying issues that, you know, you're already mad and then you come home and, uh, Somebody left their their shoes out, and you tripped over them, and then that becomes the fight. When it, it's really that you're mad about something you did, or something something you're something that that is really your fault at the at the start of the day, which is Nebraska's futility in in football recently. So um, I think something. I I just don't know where Nebraska would really go at this point, though, and I also don't know what the Big Ten would do to counter that. Um, to find its, you know, a new 14th member. So it, it what do you mean, I don't even know where they'd go. They'd go back to the Big 12. Well, they'd the go Big back 12. to the Big 12, I suppose. The Big 12 but would I mean, say,
0: Thank you for coming back. Now we have 11.
3: Fine. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's just, it's, I, I don't think it's something that, that it's going to fall apart because I think it is still advantageous for both programs or both entities. I think the Big 10 gets something from Nebraska, especially if Scott Frost can ever get something going there. I think Nebraska obviously gets something from the Big 10. Um, but right now it is a bumpy road and I don't know if, if it's going to change, if it's going to necess- if it's going to only come from like a, some kind of change in administration at one or the other, but there is some reparation that has to happen.
0: Steven, do you think that Kevin Warren is the right marriage counselor for the big 10 in Nebraska
1: here? No, I don't think Kevin Warren is the right guy for anything. Right. Well, Kevin now, Warren's one of the
3: spouses, have. really. I mean, he's the other yeah. spouse kind of. <laughs>
1: All right. So who could be the counselor?
0: You know, who'd be a good counselor? Me. You. Yeah. <laughs> i'm volunteering um steven what do you think time to let nebraska go um, One set them free
1: we're not there yet but we're on that road the, the kids are starting to see the arguments now they're not hiding it very well um so i, I think it, it is maybe two or three more decisions or indecisions in the big Ten's case until nebraska probably sees its way out of this marriage and heads back to the big 12 and it him. Big McTubb opens his arms open wide and says, Welcome home.
0: I do think it's possible that if you're gonna be mediocre, just be mediocre with your friends. Yeah, and like Nebraska's like, We know these guys, let's go be mediocre with them again. Why be mediocre? You, you thought you were gonna go be good. You thought you was gonna be better, and it's like, No, it's
3: it's it's mediocre.
1: So the grass is not always greener on the other side. Be mediocre Unless it's 1995, you know.
3: And I think the worst part of it for them is it's not like they're getting drubbed by the teams from the East every year. It's like, they're looking up at the West and they're looking up at uh, Purdue and Minnesota and thinking like, what are we doing here? Like, where where did this go wrong?
0: All right. So they're not playing. They're not playing anybody. Wisconsin's not playing anybody because their whole team's infected. Uh, Let's talk about the games that are happening. We'll bring back our official bookmaker, Tyler Shoemaker. First game I want to talk about. We'll just run through each of these for a minute. Minnesota, the line we have is minus nineteen and a half at Maryland. I just, I guess everyone just thinks Maryland is awful, but nineteen and a half. Minnesota just lost to Michigan. I don't know. Is nineteen and a half too much, Tyler? Does that sound right to you?
2: No, that, that's too much. I, I made it fourteen and a half. I mean, Maryland is pretty bad, uh, but also I think Minnesota just came in riding last year's good record when really they, as you would say, they were kind of fake good last year. Um, you know, they played a lot of backup quarterbacks last year and that sort of thing, and I think that kind of inflated their record last year and therefore their perception coming into this year. So yeah, I think, I think 19, 19, and a half is way too high.
0: So we'll just, when, when either of us, when we're making our other two picks is anyone taking that as one of their games? If Tyler's saying, especially that that line's too high, is anybody jumping on Maryland plus 19 and a half, Stephen or Nathan? It oh. was like
3: my fourth game, but All I'm right. not taking it no.
0: Steven, Stephen, no interest. Uh, All uh, right. Next excited. game. I want to do Purdue minus seven versus Illinois. Uh, Jeff Braum is back this week is that correct Correct. Jeff Braum is healthy and Rondale Moore is probably back definitely so I
3: I saw a report today that Jeff Braum will give an update on him tomorrow there wasn't a report earlier this week though where their wide receivers coach said that he was not practicing that he was completely out earlier this week so I don't know what his status is
0: okay so minus seven Tyler does that sound about right for you on Purdue at Illinois
2: no, still, still a little high, especially if Rondell Moore's not going to play. And that's I, I made this line three and a half basically with the assumption that he's not going to play, just because they've been so hush hush about his status. That that leads me to think, and it was so mysterious last week anyway. It just leads me to think he's not going to play. So I made this line three and a half. And it's possible. I
0: mean, Illinois got merched in the first game, but Illinois might not be horrendous. It, exactly. So where I think there, there's some stuff that everyone's like, obviously. You're reacting to week one, and I think some of the re- reactions might be overreactions in some ways. E- Steven or Nathan, you guys taking this game at all?
3: I am actually. I'm taking Purdue minus seven. Um, I still think that they are uh, a little bit underrated, and it, even if even if Ronda Moore can't play, um, I think you saw a little bit last week that, that David Bell is not just a uh, another dude out there. That he's um, he's a legit. Big time receiver in this conference. They've got, um, they've got some playmakers on the other side of the ball. And I don't think Illinois is very good. That's another program that I know a little bit about just because uh, my brother's back there and is a big fan and a lot of other people I know are. So I hear about Illinois a lot and there's not a lot of optimism there right now. So I think Purdue's going to win that one pretty easily.
0: All right, Steven, you taking this one? No. All right. Next one that I want to do, Northwestern getting two and a half at Iowa. Tyler, you agree with this line or no?
2: Uh I made it four and a half. I think um Iowa gosh, I, I bet Iowa last week. They didn't cover but when you really look in that box score, I mean they had so many opportunities. They they outgained them, had a better uh yards per attempt through the air and better yards per carry. I mean they, they were better across the board and somehow just just played bad. So I think I think it's kind of an overreaction to week one. I, I would take Iowa here.
0: Steven or Nathan, you guys taking this game?
1: Yeah, I took this game. I, I think I'm taking Northwestern to cover this. I'm not going to take them to win the game, but I'm taking them to cover that that spread. They showed some things last week. It was a pretty quality game from Peyton Ramsey. I'm, I'm taking that.
0: I am also taking it. And I took them last week, and I just think they might be a little good. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if at the end of the year – you know, by week six or seven, it'll be like, oh yeah, it's like remember when nobody realized that Northwestern was a contender in the West? I just, I just don't know. Last year was so bad, and Tyler, it makes me a little nervous that Tyler's saying he actually thinks Northwestern should be more of an underdog here. But I'm going to take the Northwestern plus two and a half. Also, they they always have interesting games with Iowa, um, and and I just think I just think Northwestern's going to do something out in the West. And and I'll tell you what. After week one, I thought I was booking for Indy, Mertz versus Fields, Ohio State versus Wisconsin. If this Wisconsin thing is, gets really sideways and they get another game canceled next week or they're playing their fourth string quarterback and they're losing because they don't have Graham Mertz, I think it's possible that the team that walks through that door in the West is Northwestern. So I'm going to take Northwestern plus two and a half as well. Next game, Indiana minus 10 and a half at Rutgers. Two big wins last week for these two programs. Ten and a half, Indiana, a 10 and a half point favorite on the road at Rutgers. T. Shue, what do you
2: think about that? I made this line 12. Um, I think both teams are getting uh, a little overrated coming into this week, you know, because Indiana wins kind of a fluky game against Penn State where Penn State dominated the box score and still somehow found a way to lose. And Rutgers is kind of the same way. I, you know, I'm sure most people didn't watch that game because why would you? But M- Michigan State had seven turnovers in that game. And that's just – so I think Rutgers is getting a lot of credit for winning that game. And I'm glad that they have like a living, breathing team again. But seven turnovers, it, you have to win that game. So I, I think they're a little, a little overrated coming into this week. Can I just Doug, say – I think
3: that line's actually 11
0: right now. It is? I think What did so. I say it was? 10, 10, and, 10 and a half. 11. All right, it's moved half a point since I sent the email, so we'll call it minus 11. And I just want to shout out T. Shu for the Rutgers, the sly Rutgers slander here on Buckeye Talk. We (laughs) didn't even have to do it ourselves. Just, it's Rutgers, Rutgers finally won a Big Ten game for like the first time in four years. And Tyler's like, why would you watch that thing? Much respect, Tyler. You're definitely, you're fitting right in, man. Is, I have no idea. I have no idea about what about Rutgers or Indiana from last week is real or not real. I will tell you, I love Michael Penix in theory. In practice, it looks like Michael Penix is throwing a medicine ball. Like, I, that is not – he's got some stuff, but he, his throwing motion makes me nervous. Some throws he made last week, like dudes just dropped it right when you needed them not to drop it. He is a competitor. He is an interesting player. I cannot believe they won that game last week. The thing, again, that just like rethinking about the thing that everyone's been thinking about all week with the way Penn State blew that clock management, it's a third-string running back who doesn't know what the heck's going on, and they hand off to him. Just run Clifford. They ran Clifford the whole game. He's your quarterback. Why are you handing it off? Just run Clifford every time. Clifford knows what to do. The, the absolute ridiculous failure by James Franklin there. Oh. Just had to restate that again. Not that we didn't know that before. Anyone taking this? Anyone putting their money on Indiana or Rutgers here? Nope. No. Tick, tock, tick, tock, which leads us to our last game. Michigan State plus 24-and-a-half at Michigan. Tyler, what do you think of this?
2: This is actually my my best bet of the week. Uh, I've got uh, Michigan State plus the 24-and-a-half. Um, like I said, they, they had seven turnovers last week, um, which has really th- – they had seven turnovers in conjunction with Michigan getting handed three touchdowns by Minnesota um, for all the talk about how good Michigan's offense looked last week. And that's just because it looked good in comparison to the Shea Patterson and John O'Korn years. Um, Joe Milton was, I think, Oh, for four on throws beyond like 10 yards or um, maybe it was 20, but the point was they, they couldn't actually throw the ball. They were just throwing a lot of short stuff and giving him easy throws to make I think Michigan is way overrated coming into this week. Uh, Or or maybe Michigan State's a little underrated. But uh, yeah, this is my best bet of the week Michigan State plus 24.5.
0: Steven, you were nodding your head along with that.
1: Yep. Michigan State looked awful last week. And Minnesota, like Tyler just said, was handing Michigan. There's a touchdown that happened just because, like, uh, Tanner Morgan gets sacked and the ball just happens to flop into the hands of the Michigan defensive lineman. So he scores on that. That's not, that's not realistic to happen every single week. This might be the easiest game of the week to pick Michigan state. Taking the points. Nathan, Nathan, are you also taking this one?
3: I am, but I'm taking Michigan. I think they actually left some points on the field in that game a little bit. I think they released two missed field goals, if not three. I know that Minnesota didn't play that well, but you still went on the road and just handled the team like that And Michigan state is terrible like Michigan State's not a good football team this year and uh I, I guess I'm just I'm, I'm riding the same two teams I rode last week and I think that Michigan is uh is putting something together
0: I am also picking it
3: and I'm with Steven
0: and Tyler I'm taking Michigan State plus the points I just feel like 24 and a half is a lot in a rivalry game you know that like this is and I guess I don't know how many times could you have given I, 24 and a half with Ohio say. State against Michigan so point taken But if Mel, you know, I think Mel Tucker's a good coach. I think he got put in a tough spot. I think he'll circle the wagons a little bit. And there's some pride on the line in this one. And I think to, to what sort of Tyler said, I don't think Michigan is a finished product. I think Michigan showed some flashes last week, but I think we talked about that. I thought they were loose. Good. I think they, but I think there's some looseness there and maybe it'll turn might be a little loose bad here. And as much as turnovers are sometimes great defense or sometimes it's terrible incompetence by the offense, sometimes just weird. And so, man, yeah, so there were, I think, some – to the points that Steven and Tyler made. I think there were some weird turnovers in both games last week against Michigan State and for Michigan, and this just feels inflated. And I think Michigan could, like, re- look really good and win, like, 38-17 mm-hmm. and control the whole game and still not cover. So I just think I, I twenty four feels like a lot to get here. So I will take that happily. Um, all right, Do, can I make one? Yeah, one go one ahead, more Tyler. On,
2: on, on that game, um, you know, for all the talk about the uh, ineptitude of the Michigan State offense and, and how great Michigan's offense looked, uh, Pro Football Focus actually graded Michigan State's offense better than it did Michigan's last week. Just for for the record. What? I thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well. Yeah, so, Nathan, you, you don't want to change your pick? No, I'm good. No, because uh, – oh, so now we're going to get – Baird already crammed it right up our cramp hole, Stephen. So now it's like every week Nathan's going to be like, oh, what are, what are Doug and Stephen taking? I'm taking the opposite. I'm Nathan Baird. and I mean, I'm, we can't argue. 3-0. and 3-0. He's
1: going and- to be like, who are you going to trust? The guys who get professionally – who get paid the grade these teams or the guy who went 3-0 and last week? I mean, I'm 3-0 you, yeah.
0: is 3-0, and almost the ultimate hedge. Almost, again, if, if, if Jack Miller was not out to personally get you, Nathan, we would be talking about how you middled that line perfectly.
3: Again, it wasn't, it wasn't Jack Miller. It was Ryan Day. By the way, yeah.
0: we know what's going on with Quinn Ewers. We know that everybody is excited. We know that stuff is crazy but this is the picks pod and we're not going to sidetrack ourselves with a discussion about a five-star quarterback who may or may not be a Buckeye in two years, even though that's actually what you want us to talk about. And we will, we will. But, and I, this is, I, it's so weird. It makes me feel like so old and I've told this story a million times, but if you're sick of my stories, you're probably not listening. When I went to um, the Penn state game in 2007, is that right? No, I can't, I can't remember this right. Whenever Terrell Pryor was a senior in high school and on my way to Penn State, I went and watched him play in Jeanette on the night before. And then I went to Penn State. Um, and this was back in the days, like the ancient days of the internet and the ancient days of newspapers understanding anything about the internet. And I wrote these stories about Terrell Pryor and Jim Tressel and Daryl Hazel and uh, Joe Daniels were at the game. And it was like this whole thing. And Terrell Pryor was running around and, and just making people look silly. And I wrote about it, and then but it was like, hey, it's, it's Ohio State football, like they're going to play a big game now. This is exciting. And the, the people at the newspaper afterwards like explained the analytics and said that Terrell Pryor stuff you wrote is the most read stuff you've written all year. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm covering a team that's like trying to win a national title, and everybody's interested in the high school guy. And it's like, here we are now. And it's like, I know we could just punt this whole podcast and do three hours of Quinn Ewers and everybody would be happy. But we're not going to do it. We will do it a lot next week. He's not going anywhere. I mean, unless he, like, commits to Ohio State in two days. If he commits to Ohio State in two days, we'll do an emergency podcast in the middle of the Penn State game if we have to. But that is interesting. That is exciting for Ohio State. And we will get to it next week. For now, we're going to dive in still on Ohio State, Penn State, After this break, we'll come back with the survey results of how worried are you actually that Ohio State could lose, and then we'll ask our tech subscribers maybe why they are or are not feeling that way. Thanks for joining us on this live Zoom preview on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk with our texter survey of are you worried? The question again to our tech subscribers, if you want to be a tech subscriber, Send a text to 614-350-3315. We'll get you signed up for free. Regardless of your pick, are you actually worried that Ohio State could lose to Penn State? So, again, we know we got 70% of the people picking Ohio State by 13 or more. But I think it's, a, I think it's certainly possible to pick Ohio State to win pretty big, but still be worried. Stephen, what, what percent do you think were worried, admitted to this in the question? 38%.
1: Nathan
3: um
0: 32 56 more than half of our loyal they love the buckeyes the most they pay us money for this stuff 56 percent worried and i get it i get it i think this is where where history does factor in a little bit right nathan in terms of like a line and that kind of thing you're trying to figure that out i don't know how it affects a line it affects your head It affects your brain. It affects your heart. It affects your soul. It affects like, I remember what it was like in 2017. I remember what it was like in 2018. I remember what it was like in 2014. And then I do think, again, you can just find enough dudes. They got a couple dudes. They don't have as many dudes on offense, right? I mean, it's not Saquon Barkley. It's not Chris Godwin. It's not Mike Gusecki. I mean, again, by the way, talking about talent and stuff, you run through sometimes, you run through guys who have come through Penn State. Sometimes there are guys at Penn State who, are pretty good and then like you realize later, man, they were kind of really good. So we all knew it with Saquon, but I just they, they have some guys, Micah Parsons, man, if they had Micah Parsons, but they don't. So Nathan, that idea, 56% being worried, does it flabbergast you or is it reasonable concern from an educated fan base?
3: No, no. I, actually my answer was pretty stupid. It should have been much higher than 32, just because this I think everybody knows what happens when a State goes to Penn State. I mean it's been repeated now I mean sometimes even when they don't go to Penn State sometimes even when they play at Ohio Stadium it's it's a tough game Um, so I think they're just there should be a natural a a healthy fear of this program uh, until Ohio State unless Ohio State um, creates some sort of more real separation and I don't know if that can really happen I think Penn State is just that good especially when you're trying to go on the road and beat them under normal circumstances especially they're they're a tough team to shake.
0: All right. Can I do this? Can I do, I love the fanfic when we get it from tech subscribers. And again, if anybody wants to chime in live, go ahead and raise your hand or offer some stuff in the chat. But I have some questions lined up previously from the 614. The headline of this text is, uh, oh no, this is my headline. It's the, my, the scenario where Ohio State could lose. The 614 are sent this. I'm feeling too confident about an Ohio State win this weekend. So I painted a scenario in which Ohio State loses. What do you think? What am I missing? Is this realistic? One. Penn State's excellent defensive ends get a ton of pressure without a blitz. Fields turns the ball over once or twice. Two, Ohio State's run game continues to look average or below average. Three, Sean Clifford is able to have a decent day running, including breaking at least one big run. Four, tight end Pat Friermuth has 100-plus receiving yards and two touchdowns. Steven Is that scenario – is there anything about that scenario that sounds particularly possible or particularly impossible to you?
1: The Clifford part does, just because uh, as we saw against against Nebraska, Ohio State had a problem with stopping a running quarterback. And if there's no improvement in that in week two, sure, he could get loose and have some runs and create some big play opportunities for you. So that – and the fire move part part as well, just because he's probably the best tight end in in the Big Ten right now. But, yeah, those two parts. Make make a little bit of sense.
0: What struck out to you, Nathan, about that? Nathan wasn't listening to the texter <laughs> question. Woo woo. Nathan uh, got it. Nathan's text. I already deleted it. I can't even read it anymore. It was like Clifford running, throwing to far, to Friar Muth, um the defensive ends getting pressure, or the Ohio State run game being average or below average.
1: All of that has to happen at the same time, though. I think for it, it can't just be one or two of those parts.
3: Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, I I think it's, it's, it's not Ohio state is good enough that you're not just going to get one of those areas and that's going to swing this game. I don't think, I think, and again, at the end of the day, when you have Justin Fields, as you were saying before, I think that that is building in um, a, a certain floor of performance every week. Um, I don't think that, I think Penn state can make it tougher on him, but you're not going to, like, as you said before, you're not going to completely negate that. Um, I I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't know that I just, I don't trust Penn state to be able to put all of those things together in, in one, in one night against Ohio state.
0: All right. We have Clint raising his hand. Clint, what do you think?
2: 2016 I was heartbroken in a bed and breakfast in Frankenmuth, Michigan, watching the buckeyes fall to penn state in the final minutes
0: 2017 i was in the horseshoe and witnessed the greatest sporting event of my life that being said um i will never be comfortable when ohio state has to play penn state and it's probably because of james franklin can i say this is what a rivalry is supposed to be that you're nervous when you play a good team that you play every year that's not afraid of you? Can you imagine if this is what Ohio State Michigan was like? Could I ask anyone? Ooh, are you nervous when they play Michigan? Everyone, I'm nervous when Ohio State plays Michigan. I'm nervous about whether they win by 40 or 60. What am I nervous about? What am I nervous about Don Brown's defense? What am I nervous about Jim Harbaugh's quarterbacks? This, I, I get it. Fans love to beat their rival. It's just hard. It's like it's hard to wrap your head around this is normal. That you're good, but also it's not that you're bad. Ohio State is very good. But Penn State also good. Maybe not very good. And that's the thing too. The thing that's hard about this is, does anyone think that Penn State is as good as Ohio State? No, nobody thinks that. But do you have to be as good as a team to beat them on a Saturday? No, you don't have to be as good as them. You don't have to beat I mean, them Indiana ten just times. Prove that. You don't have to beat them ten times out of ten. You have to. Can you beat them three times out of ten and make it make the one the day that matters? So, I don't know. That's that's where I think this is true. And then just too many Saturdays. Not that this is news to anybody. Listen to this. Too many Saturdays is just zero out of ten. There's nothing. There's nothing there. This is what I'm. I continue to zero in on. And I'm going to just say it again and again and again. From the nine one nine, a question. Doug, how did the two offensive tackles perform last week in pass pro with the twitchy defensive ends of Penn State? Is that a concern um, based on our performance? Did our guys grade out well? So, I tried to watch a little bit. I thought Munford and Petit Frere were fine. I didn't notice anything. I also thought Nebraska had nothing there. I, I they did not. They ran some stunts. They ran a couple twists. They did some stuff, and I think Harry Miller got caught once or twice. He's young. He make his first start. Every now and then stuff like that, but just like one-on-one, I didn't think the Nebraska guys were like one-on-one dominating Thayer Munford and Nicholas petit Frere, but I thought the Nebraska guys were terrible. So I'm just telling you, these Penn State dudes are not terrible. And it's going to be – it is going to be Shaka on Munford because Shaka is always lining up over the left tackle. And he is more about his get-off. Munford's going to have to be quick with his with his – Set and to get into his pass pro quickly, or Shaka Tony is going to be by him. Shaka Tony also gets a little tired, and actually, I think it was interesting at the end of the game, like when Indiana, there were times when Indiana, what did they do? Something happened that Penn State's defense got put right back on the field very quickly, and they didn't even have their starting defensive ends in because they were gassed. So I think Taki uh, Tony, not Taki Shaka Tony, I think can wear down a little bit if Munford can be physical with him. But I would watch that early. If, if Tony is, has a good get off and is getting around Munford, that's an issue. And then Awe is just really good. He's just – he looks like an Ohio State defensive end. And so that's going to be more of an issue. I saw him split in double teams. I saw him beating help. I saw him with a few more moves, a bull rush, swim move, sometimes around the edge. I just – I think it's a big ask of NPF. I do. I think it's a big ask of NPF. And, and Nathan, people did think he played pretty well in week one. So it's not that he's not up to the task. I'm just saying, I think it's a big ask.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, that's kind of been the consensus here. You know, Josh Myers is really effusive in his praise of Nicholas Petit Frere. And, uh, you know, Ryan Day mentioned it today that sure he graded out as a champion, but it's going to be a much bigger test this week. Nebraska, as you were pointing out, the, the pressure that they were bringing, I thought, was coming a lot more effectively up the middle, whether that was uh, from the defensive tackles or bringing guys like Will Honus on those blitzes, really well-timed blitzes. He had a couple sacks, almost had that safety on Justin Fields. So I, it's going to look different. I think it's going to come from different angles than what they saw last week, and they've got to be ready for that. They've got to adjust to it.
0: And the one thing is just because you pressure Justin Fields doesn't mean you're A, going to get to Justin Fields, and B, it's going to be a good play for you. You might pressure Justin Fields and he steps up and runs for 30 yards. Or you might pressure Justin Fields and he spins out of the pocket and throws it 60 yards downfield to Chris Olave. So that's the thing, too. And then when that happens, game over, right? It's like, hey, great pass rush. Congratulations on winning your pass rush rep. The dude just threw a 60 yard touchdown, which goes back to, I think, something that's come up a couple times on the podcast here from the 601. Is this game a shootout? I feel like Ohio State will win something like 45 31. What do you think? A lot like LSU and Texas last year. And we talked about that on the Big Thursday pod. That was week two. LSU didn't really stop Texas that much. They won a shootout, and then the defense got better in the second half of the year. But isn't that where you are, Steven? That it's sort of like, okay, whatever. Sean Clifford might do a little bit of this. Pat Frymuth does a little bit of this, but it's a shootout. And if it's really truly a shootout, Penn State's not outscoring Ohio State.
1: Yeah, because the thing in that in that game was LSU's defense was decent, but it wasn't historically great. And it was early in the season at that point, so they hadn't really gotten used to some things yet. And so they were able to gave, give up some points. But the offense was so explosive that it didn't matter. They got key stops when when they needed to. And I think that's what Ohio State's defense is going to be this year is – you're not going to hold teams under 10 points every week like they did in 2019, but I think this defense is talented enough to get key stops at points where the offense is going to continue to score and they're going to score enough points that I'll do whatever the other team is doing. And this is a good week to find out if that's the case or not.
0: And by the way, turnovers are goofy last year, Ohio state put yeah. the ball on the ground in a couple, three times, just like out of nowhere. And it was like that would that change that game. And just like we talked about with Michigan and Michigan state and their games last week, you know i mean if if penn state wins the turnover edge 3 nothing then okay that's kind of a big deal if ohio state wins the turnover edge 3 nothing then it's probably a 60 point win so turnovers are an equalizer but, but i don't necessarily think penn state has to force a million turnovers to stay in the game i just think maybe their pass rush is disruptive enough that if Fields doesn't turn every single time they get a pass rush into a huge play, I think it might be an issue. Nathan, is there anything in the chat that we should get to? Because if not, there's one thing I want to finish up with.
3: Uh, yeah, Douglas DeLillo asks, if Journey Brown and Micah Parsons were playing, how would it change your outlook on this game? And I think that you know that's a dangerous game to play week to week. But I think in here, it's because I've already mentioned it and other people are mentioned it. I think it is. Like, that's how we – the perspective that we brought to this game all season long or all off season was when Ohio State eventually plays this team and it was going to be about how do they match up against those two guys. Well, how much of a difference does Micah Parsons make to that defense? And can Journey Brown be kind of like the big playmaker on offense that uh, that Penn State can use to to really put pressure on what was going to be a, a made-over Ohio State defense, and then now neither of those guys are playing? I think it does. It changes my perspective. I think I would be – I'd probably be picking something closer to what you're picking, still picking Ohio State to win, but expecting it to be a game late into the fourth quarter. I don't know that I think that without those two guys.
1: I think it gives Penn State two five-star linebackers along with Brandon Smith, and it makes their Justin Fields running, you know, element of the game a little more interesting because he's going to have some moments where he makes plays because he's still Justin Fields. But I think with both of them back there, maybe tempers it a little bit. Instead, So instead of my outrageous prediction being – Justin Fields has a hundred rushing yards in a game. Maybe they limit him to 50 rushing yards in a game just because he takes off one time. And instead of it being a 25 yard rush, it's just a six yard r- rush because they're able to put that in check before he really goes crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, you think about Parsons with these DNs, that's a really different, that's a really interesting defense, but I also think maybe journey Brown's even more important. I, I don't know that the Penn state offense is very explosive. It's like, can they move the ball with some Clifford runs and with some passes to the tight end? And what I think is a solid group of running backs, I think that's possible. And I think they might be able to move it fairly consistently. But I don't think they're going to pop much. I don't think they're going to hit much down the field. I don't think they're have like, I'm not looking for real explosive plays from their running backs. It's more about against a young, not as Nathan keeps saying, and he's right. It's not a young defense, just an inexperienced defense. A lot of third year guys for Ohio state who haven't played before against an inexperienced defense that maybe is not filled with playmakers at this point. Can they just move the chains, move the chains? And I think, yes, but I don't think they're going to hit them over the top. I don't think they're going to, You know, put a lot of pressure on them where their Ohio State's defense is giving up 40 yard runs. And if Journey Brown was in the game, I think that'd be more likely. All right, we'll wrap up with this, which is the is it okay if they lose conversation, which is just a heartwarming thing that Ohio State fans love to hear about. It's okay if they lose. From the 614, how would a close game or an OT win in Happy Valley affect Ohio State's playoff hopes? So, Nathan, you're our voter in the AP poll. We have proof of it. We have proof of an Ohio State team losing at Penn State and making the playoff. Now, when they did that, they beat Wisconsin on the road. They beat Oklahoma on the road. They had chances to look good. They don't have the Oregon game this year to make up for that. But Michigan is probably going to be pretty competitive. That would be a good win. But if Penn State wins, and then if Penn State beats Ohio State and wins out, Ohio State's not going to the Big Ten Championship game. You lose that. But you do have the second-place game. So they get to play the second-best team, which is going to be a top-25 team, which is an interesting wrinkle that could help Ohio State. So if it's let's say either one of those, Nathan, a close win for Ohio State, or maybe they don't look great, or maybe it feels like this tight win for Ohio State is more about Ohio State not being great and less about Penn State being really good or even a loss, what are the potential, do you think, postseason scenarios for Ohio State if that's where we're sitting Saturday night?
3: Well, I think it, somewhat it may depend on um, if it's a loss like what Penn State took last week where they had clearly outplayed them in so many facets and it just was it looked – just weird stuff happened and they ended up losing. I think that hurts you less than if Ohio State goes into this game and gets outplayed by a Penn State team that, again, is down what was projected to be the two – best players on best player on each side of the ball i think that does would bring up some concerns as to just how good this ohio state team really is
0: steven what do you think like what are the what is the upside to a saturday that does not go very well for ohio
1: state i think what's helping the big 10 and especially mainly ohio state right now if that does happen is the sec is beating up on each other and alabama is running away with that conference and the big 12 stinks and so they could be in a situation where the big 10 could be could end up being the the conference that gets two teams into the playoff because of those factors along with the team who who is now the second Big Ten team is Ohio State, who we already know is a championship contending team.
0: We've talked a lot about on the Monday Madness pod, who's the fourth? Who's the fourth team? Right, Nathan? That's always a thing that comes up. I will tell you, this is the fourth team that will get in the playoff. And the pecking order of who's the fourth team that gets in, that list is – Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State that loses. Mm-hmm. They're first up. So, you know, if Ohio State loses, now you're in a scenario where it's like you're rooting for Clemson, you're rooting for Bama, right? You don't want all of a sudden, now Clemson loses to Notre Dame, now, now Clemson's backing in, and now you're getting in. Now it's – I just think that they'd still be in because those three teams have equity built up. It might be just perception equity, but it's there. Everybody in the country sees a top three in college football and then a big mess. Nobody's sure who the fourth best team is, but if all of a sudden one of those top three teams winds up fighting for the fourth spot, I think everybody would agree who the fourth best team is and that if now the playoff is Alabama Clemson, the big 10 champ, who's not Ohio state and then you're Ohio state has one loss to Penn state and that's it. The fourth team's Ohio state. So I'm not trying to render Saturday meaningless. But I think it is possible that truly, truly, what is on the line for Ohio State Saturday night is the difference between the three seed and the four seed. And you're playing Clemson or Bama in the two playoff games either way. Therefore, I have managed at the end of this hour-long podcast to render this exciting Big Ten matchup meaningless. Thanks for joining us on the Zoom call. Listen, it's not meaningless, but I'm just trying to tell you that. Is that? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong?
3: You're, no. you're not wrong, I think, if, if – uh, I do think it may depend on Penn State kind of living up at the, its end of the bargain a little bit, though. Um, like I said, it's got to look – it's got to still be a quality loss, if that makes sense.
0: But if Penn State stinks, then Ohio State just becomes the one-loss Big Ten champ, and they're yeah. in.
3: Uh, there's some transitive theory stuff there that I think like if if a house can lose to a bad team, it can lose to someone else down the line too.
1: No, I think they just I think people would just chalk that up to they had a bad week and they lost, and that would be it if they, it's either they're the one lost big Ten champ and they're in, or they lost to the one lost big Ten champ and they're in.
0: So listen, that's a whole different discussion. If if Ohio State looks looks like a team that all of a sudden we're thinking about, ay, ay, ay yeah yeah, are they gonna beat Indiana? Like, are they gonna beat Michigan? That's a different discussion. Right now, are we when you're when you but if they lose and now you're worried about a second loss, that's something
3: else. So but I that is with. the discussion that we're saying is that if if you're saying that if if Penn State were to end up being actually bad or mediocre or whatever, and Ohio State still loses, that's where that discussion
1: comes from. No. No, we're just saying if they just happen to lose to Penn State, but then they run the table and, ki- and destroy everybody the rest of the year, they're, they're fine. They're going to destroy. They, the other people
3: in. they're about to play are, are awful. I don't even think they have to destroy
1: them. Here's what I think.
0: I think if Ohio State is, un- is the undefeated Big Ten champ, they're the three seed most likely. I think if they are the one-loss Big Ten champ, they're the three seed most likely. And I think if they are a one-loss non-champ, they are the four seed. That's where I am. So stuff happens, and we have proof in the past of that not happening, of, of one loss killing them. But in a year where the Pac-12 is barely playing a schedule and the Big 12 stinks and everybody loves Ohio State and they have Justin Fields, I just think that's where they are. So enjoy the game Saturday. It's, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be exciting. But this is a little preemptive for the more than 50% of the tech subscribers who were worried about this. I think it's a little acknowledgement that it's if it's a bad Saturday, it doesn't necessarily ruin the season. All right. Thanks to everybody in the Zoom that joined us. We really appreciate you guys. You are the loyalist of the loyal tech subscribers, but we love all our tech subscribers. We love all our Buckeye Talk listeners. We continue to set records with how many downloads we're getting on this podcast. And it's because of you guys. So thanks so much for hanging with us. Thanks to our bookmaker, Tyler Shoemaker, who, if we ever do make a t-shirt. If we ever do, if we ever turn one of these t-shirt slogans into an actual t-shirt, the first free t-shirt will go to Mike Lewis, who gave us a free theme song. Talk about people giving us stuff for free and us just absolutely screwing him. That guy's so good to us. Mike Lewis gets the first free t-shirt. Tyler Shoemaker, second free t-shirt, if they ever come along. The rest of you, $39.99. So you can sign up now. Your tech subscription does not get you a shirt. I want to make that clear. It does not get you a shirt, Nathan and Steven, $19.99 for you guys. Discount for the people actually on the podcast. So anyway, thanks to everybody who listened. Nathan and Steven will be in State College on Saturday. I will be eating chilies on my couch. Make sure you are reading us. And listen, it's going to be a night game. So the post-game pod, I mean, I guess I'll put it up at 3 o'clock in the morning. But it's going to take a while because Nathan and Steven are going to go back to their hotels before we do it. So You might have to wait for it till Sunday morning, but that's not our fault. It's the TV gods. Thanks to you guys for joining us. Thanks to Steven. Thanks to Nathan. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.